Hi everyone and welcome back to The Women's Scoop with me, Kirsty King, the show all about female changemakers both on campus and beyond. I hope we're all good. Apologies for the voice this week. Rona unfortunately came to visit, um, but luckily for you, the next segment was recorded pre-COVID symptoms, so you don't have to listen to this for the whole episode. You'll be glad to know. Uh, later on today's show, Rachel Hassan and Abby Davidson will be back with another Worldwide Woman. But earlier this week, I spoke to Katrina McDonnell, the founder of the Homeless Period Belfast, all about the campaign and the recent passing of the Period Products Free Provision Bill in the NI Assembly. So let's get started. And here's my chat with Katrina. I'm now joined by the founder of the Homeless Period Belfast, Katrina McDonnell. Katrina, welcome to the show. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for having me. Great to have you on the show with us today. Um, so just to begin, uh, would you like to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. My name is Katrina. I am the founder of the Homeless Period Belfast uh, Menstruation Matters campaign. I'm 28 years old. I'm from North Belfast um, and I run this uh, campaign and initiative on top of my full-time job, which is a projects and communications manager um, at a charity, a global charity that inspires girls uh, worldwide uh, and especially in disadvantaged areas to reach their full potential and aspirations. That's really interesting. Thank you. So the Homeless Period Belfast is a volunteer run campaign uh, set up by yourself in 2016. So could you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to set it up um, initially? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I started it up uh, nearly five and a half years ago. It's approaching six uh, when we reached the autumn. Um, I think I was around the age of 21 or 22. Um, and I was in university in Liverpool and I had started to become that little bit more, as you do when, when you're at uni, that little bit more uh, socially, um, environmentally, politically aware. And I was in Liverpool, uh, which is in the north of England, whereby there is a lot of uh, homelessness. There's a lot of poverty. And I suppose I was exposed to that uh, more than ever before. And um, I also was volunteering uh, with Help the Homeless Society, uh, STAR, Student Action um, for Refugees. And then I saw another um, kind of initiative, which was tackling the issue of period poverty in Liverpool. And I just thought, oh my goodness, this is such an amazing initiative. I've never seen anything like this before. And so I started volunteering with them and really saw the amazing work that they were doing there in Liverpool. And I started to become passionate about something like this existing in Belfast. But of course, I didn't think I would be the person to start it up in Belfast. I was just hoping, I was actually doing my research to see if there was anything like it in Belfast. And then um, it was around the time as well um, when David Cameron was talking a lot about the tampon tax. And then we started to hear about period poverty a little bit more in the news and and, and everything like that. So that really kind of stirred up a little bit of my passion. Um, And I felt compelled, I suppose, to bring it to Belfast. Um, I had been signing petitions and I had attended a protest. And I think some of my friends and family eventually just kind of said to me, look, Katrina, clearly nothing like this exists in Belfast. You're clearly very passionate about it. Why don't you do something about it? So I uh, did a bit of research. I uh, met with homeless hostels, food banks, um, street teams, and I saw that there was definitely a need for an initiative that tackles period poverty in Belfast. So I got a few friends together and um, we bought bins, pink bins out of our own pocket. 
And then we started up a Facebook page and within 24 hours, there was like 1000 follows on that Facebook page, which was just so overwhelming. And it just really showed that there was a real appetite for something like this, uh, something that hadn't really been done before and it was a little bit different. Uh, so that's how I kind of started up. Um, and then we put our bins in different areas of Belfast and asked the public to leave in uh, donations. And that's really how it all started. That's so interesting. And that idea of being in Liverpool and having the perspective of Liverpool and you really wanted to bring that back to Northern Ireland as well. I think that's great. Um, And could you give us a little bit of an idea of the type of work that you do in the more recent times of the campaign? Yes, so um, as I said at the beginning, it was very um, outreach and period poverty centric. It was mostly about um, getting those donations and creating period packs um, and working with volunteers during our period pack sessions, which always uh, were really fun. Um, and so many people would always turn up, which was great. And um, after a while, we actually had to put a bit of a limit on the number. Just so many people wanted to help. And I think that's just a real testament to the goodwill of Belfast people and beyond. Um, but more recently then, um, after about two years, I think we decided hmm, okay, we need to do more here. The, the issue of periods in general, not just period poverty, periods, um, is, isn't really in public discourse. Um, we started to link period poverty to the taboo and stigma that surrounds menstruation. And we had uh, kind of different testimonies and uh, experiences of how uh, they were both inextricably linked. So we decided then that we needed to maybe start talking about periods more, even though we were um, indirectly through our period poverty uh, messaging online. But we decided to focus a little bit more on periods in general, spreading awareness on periods, talking about mental health issues, uh, really getting conversations started online. So that became an area of focus. And then a little bit after that, probably a year after, we then started to see how overworked we were as volunteers and um, how many beneficiaries were on our list and then it kept growing and we started to think listen this is not our responsibility we should not be co-opting for the government anymore and um, this should be something that the government should you know intervene on um, and we decided that there needs to be a solution to this so we decided then to launch our menstruation matters campaign calling for free period products in all public buildings uh, and in all toilets so that's in your private establishments as well uh, so then we just started um, campaigning and lobbying the government and um, I would say about three or two and a half years ago and yeah that's kind of three main areas of the work that we do. That's so interesting as well just hearing how it's really developed over time and getting more into really wanting to lobby the government to make the change because uh, it shouldn't really be up to sort of volunteers to have to do all the work. It should be the government. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and just talking about um, the government, on the 24th of March, a number of progressive bills were passed in the Assembly and one of these was the Period Products Free Provision Bill brought forward by the SDLP's Pat Catney. And for the last number of months, Homeless Period Belfast have been working behind the scenes to ensure the bill meets the expectations and needs of the public. Um, So could you tell us a little bit about the work uh, you've been doing as a campaign uh, to get the bill to the point of meeting everyone's needs and finally getting it passed as well? Yeah, well, it's been a lot of fierce commitment and uh, work uh, to get us to this stage. And we're still on a high from it passing just uh, a few days ago. Um, Lots goes on behind the scenes you know, so many meetings with um, different politicians up in Stormont, different committees, um, as well as uh, meetings with the likes of Belfast City Council to cover those public toilets that are run by the council. Um, We had to gather evidence. We uh, conducted surveys. We uh, created a petition uh, that got over 5,000 
um, signatories, I think, in just like two or three weeks, which again just shows the appetite for people for, for there to be change um, in this area. Um, and we also created a campaign video uh, to really get our message up there from the streets to Stormont. Um, and we did a lot of awareness raising online, uh, you know, with our events, everything else. And we just really kept up the momentum um, around it. Um, and thankfully, you know, different media outlets engaged with us um, and um, different politicians as well that really helped amplify our message. Uh, so, yeah, it was a lot of work for a group of volunteers. We all have full time jobs on top of this. This is our main focus. You know, we all have our uh, full time jobs. So, but it really took a real committed, dedicated team of volunteers, like minded volunteers, supportive volunteers, activists, and campaigners and um, who really wanted to make a change for people uh, who have periods so that our period needs were never sidelined again and um, so yeah that's really um, in a nutshell what we did we just got together and did our research and gathered evidence and did everything that you do in a campaign from petitions to campaign videos to the uh, consistent messaging with the menstruation matters hashtag and uh, talking to the right people uh, getting support from the right people and making sure that we have our um, our message, our consistent message amplified at all times. Yeah, it's just such a great success and everyone at home is pure Belfast and everyone who supported the bill should really be commended for all the work that you've done. And another thing that Homeless Period Belfast have been involved with was Feminism in Schools NI's first ever Feminism in Schools conference hosted by Hazelwood College in North Belfast last month. Um, And I was talking to the girls from Stop Street Harassment NI about this event last week too and about their involvement in it. Um, So could you tell us a bit about uh, the conference and the workshop that Homeless Period Belfast held as part of the conference? Yeah, no problem. And um, the conference was absolutely amazing. I felt like it was really revolutionary. It definitely wasn't something that I think would have ever happened when I was in school over 10 years ago. And um, I would have loved to have a feminism in schools conference. I think it would have been really needed back then. And I think it would have been an absolute game changer, to be honest. I think uh, young people nowadays, there, there's a definitely an appetite for them to engage with them conferences like that so to to be involved and to be asked to speak on the panel on how to be an active a feminist activist and then of course then to um deliver a workshop was just a real honor and it was a real pleasure um, and i think you know hopefully this is the start of these conferences happening uh, every year because as i said there's a real need for them and we delivered a workshop on period empowerment which was really really good so there were workshops a number of workshops that were happening at the same time and each workshop could only have uh, 20 to 25 people turn up to there so people could choose which workshops they could go to and like you mentioned uh, Stop Street Harassment and I were there and many other uh, organisations doing fantastic work so for us we didn't think we would get many people signing up Josh because when we have delivered um, period empowerment workshops before we've been booked by a youth club uh, by their, the youth club leaders or by a school and the school staff it's never the, the young people so we thought oh goodness at this conference you know young people are having the opportunity to choose which workshops they go to you know they're not going to want to come to a period empowerment workshop surely not so we really weren't expecting that many people and then we had a full house I think we had around 23 to 25 people turn up and it was really good. We played uh, a period quiz and period bingo. And then we got into groups and kind of got our heads together and unpacked period shame and stigma. And then we worked uh, together in groups again and to kind of suggest ideas on how to make society a more period positive place. 
Um, and then we delved in a little bit about uh, the reality of theory of poverty as well. So it was a real, real success. Um, and the feedback was really amazing and positive. That's brilliant. Like it sounds like such a important topic to be talking to students about like young people. And I think another thing that's not really discussed in school is how like the female reproductive system in general is very under-researched and a lot less understood by contrast to the male reproductive system. I feel like as a society then that means we don't really know as much about women's bodies and how their hormones and like sexual health link together. And that just means that health issues which people with a uterus may face are often dismissed by medical professionals or they're seen as being hormonal or over-exaggerating. I think it's quite apt with it being endometriosis awareness month at the moment and like often it takes a very long time to be diagnosed with endometriosis due to the lack of research on it um, and I've heard it can take seven and a half years in the UK to be diagnosed from your first contact with a doctor. So yeah I think it's really important just to be raising awareness about health issues or conditions which specifically affect people who menstruate so that people can seek the help they need without feeling any shame or stigma from society. And I feel like your period empowerment workshops and things like that are really important and like empowering for young people. So I think it's great. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, and another thing uh, that Homeless Period Belfast are involved with is period parties. And you did one recently to mark International Women's Day and another party at the end of 2021 to mark five years of the campaign. And um, so I'd just like to know like a little bit about these parties and what they involve. Yeah, so the parties are a space for us volunteers, activists and campaigners just to really take a break and to connect with everyone that has followed or supported our campaign uh, and project. And it allows us the opportunity to meet those people face to face while at the same time um, kind of destigmatizing periods and empowering people to talk about periods and just offering a real safe space uh, for people as well and then celebrate all the achievements we've uh, made. So uh, that's really what the period parties are all about they're a real empowerment session but this time with alcohol as i said we do the period empowerment workshops and they're a bit more you know professional but uh the period parties allow us and um, the ones that are the volunteers and you know work so hard to kind of let our hair down and, and as i said meet with people who want to meet with us and just kind of um network and have a real fun time so we usually open it with a period quiz and uh, we have a few period games throughout the um, party uh, before we've made and uh, we've done a vulva making workshop again that's just to connect people with their bodies and feel empowered about their bodies and um, after being disempowered and disconnected from our bodies for so long so that's what it's really all about and then we usually give an update as well on where we are with the homeless period belfast and our menstruation matters campaign we give out information um and it's just really really good crack and um, it's one of my favorite uh parts of what we do um, and we probably run those, um, I'd say, two to three times a year maximum, usually around our birthday in November uh, and then again on International Women's Day. And then we'll probably do another one um, in the summer. Um, but if not, it's, it's usually always two a year. So if any of your listeners are listening, uh, keep a wee eye out because they're really, really fun. <laughs> yeah, they sound great. I actually know people who've said that they've been to them and they've been really fun. So it's definitely something that people should take a look at. So your campaign has really gone from strength to strength since being set up over five years ago now. Uh, so I was just wondering, what would your hopes and plans be uh, for Homeless Period Belfast going forward? Well, we could have never imagined um, getting to this point. You know, uh, I think I might have mentioned this, that we started up as quite a small project at the beginning with quite a small vision. And, um, you know, the vision was never to grow into a movement. <laughs> the vision was never really to shape law um, or to, you know, 
to keep growing uh, and it, it has and it's it's down to the the kind of um goodwill of Belfast people to support what we do and then of course the um perseverance and um effort and energy and commitment from the team uh, but our aim as i said has never been really to grow and uh, more recently it's always been to cease to exist and uh, we feel that the existence of projects like ours kind of perpetuate a cycle of reliance and um, on us from you know government or whatever else and as i said we really want this to be something that the government takes responsibility for or just the wider uh, public in general uh, so really with this bill passing we do want to be able to be in a position where we do where we can pull back especially in regards to our period poverty outreach uh, we'll always be around for the education and empowerment and awareness on periods because that's something that we still think that needs a lot of work and um, you know we're still shrouded in shame and awkwardness and stigma and taboo and embarrassment and uh, when it comes to periods and menstruation so we'll always be around for that but i think we our aim is really to to be less needed and um, and that will be through society recognizing that um periods are and our period products for example are in need for people and um, and we want it to be the norm the period products are all are in all bathrooms just like toilet roll for free um, so yeah, I suppose our our aim and vision isn't to grow or keep growing. It's actually to be to be less needed and then um, eventually to cease to exist. Yeah, that's really interesting. I agree that the onus is really on the government and society to take it upon themselves to normalise periods for everyone, so it's no longer a stigma. So now I just have a few questions uh, which I like to ask all my guests on the show. Uh, so the first one is, uh, what issues do you think are most important to female students and women in Northern Ireland today? Well, of course, I'm not a student anymore, so I can't exactly speak on behalf of students. Uh, but I also do know people that are still in university and I liaise with them through the work that I do at Home Period Belfast. And uh, before my uh, recent role as Projects and Communications Manager of um, a charity, a global charity that uh, empowers girls, I was the coordinator of Rape Crisis NI for two years. And um, so I know uh, that gender-based violence is a massive issue. And I think that has come to light more because of what happened to uh, Ashley Murphy and Sarah Everard and um, many others that lost their lives due to uh, gender-based violence um, and I think that's a big issue I think it's a hot topic at the minute and rightly so for so long that issue was almost a taboo you know domestic violence and sexual violence no one really talked about it even though it was happening every day everyone knew someone that had been raped but no one knew a, a rapist uh, whereas nowadays we are really um, getting that into public discourse than ever and I think that's because of the Me Too movement um, and social media and you know online activities that really offer us that platform and space to be able to expose the reality of uh, gender-based violence and yeah I think uh, it's captured the media's attention at uh, different high-profile cases have definitely captured um, you know locally people's attention I think there's a, a statistic that says 98% of women have been sexually harassed in the streets which is true we all have been at one point we all know someone that's been sexually assaulted or raped I think it's something like one in three women will be in their lifetime those statistics are shocking they are ridiculous they are harrowing and um, especially for our young ones now you know growing up that's something that we never want them to have to go through again so 
I think that to me is the topic and issue that I think most people um, are engaged in and are in, empowered by because they want to do something about it. And, and because it's for a lot of people, it's lived experience. Um, and I think that that issue for me should be, I think it is, but I also think it should be if it isn't, <laughs> but I'd almost be sure it is. If we did a poll, I think that issue would come up the most. Um, but as well as that, I think abortion rights. And that's why it was so great to see that bill pass um, the safe access zone, because no one should be harassed when they're making a decision about their body, or perhaps uh, they've made that decision already and they're going in to uh, follow through with that decision. And um, so it was really great to actually have our bill on the lineup of that particular bill. So I think abortion rights and uh, reproductive rights is also an issue and a bit of a hot topic at the minute. Yeah, definitely. I think they're all really important topics and ones that have come up a lot um, on the show when I've asked the question as well. Um, and my other question, uh, which I like to ask everyone is, which women inspire you and why? This is a difficult one. I think really um, it's quite easy to say, isn't it? Like your mother and your grandmother, and they definitely do. And, um, you know, they were brought up in a time, you know, during the troubles and, um, you know, in terms of um, women's rights, you know, they didn't have those as readily as available as we do now. And uh, so I have massive admiration and respect for the likes of my uh, mummy and my granny who were brought up during those times. And yeah, if I'm half the woman that they are, then I've done pretty well. Uh, but then as well as that, I really look to the women in our community. I look to the women that are within the women's sector and who have come before me and, and who have paved the way. Uh, those women are the women that I really admire and I'm influenced by. And um, just watching their journeys within active within you know feminism um, and their activism, uh, and it's kind of shown me that I can have a voice and that I can stand up against issues that I want to fight or that I believe in. So I kind of look more locally at the women that are here, and I'm really inspired by their work because ultimately they've paved the way. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, I feel like there's so many inspiring women here that have paved the way for the next generation, which is really great. So that was really brilliant to chat to you today, Katrina. Um, I just have one final question, which is, if anyone listening would like to find out a bit more about the work of Homeless Period Belfast or get in touch with you about the campaign, how could they do that? Yeah, uh, pretty easy. They just need to follow us on our social media platforms. I would say our Instagram is our most successful social media platform. It's uh, the one that most people um, kind of engage with. So just follow us on Homeless Period Belfast on Instagram as well. We're on Twitter and we are on um, Facebook as well. And that's where we kind of share the majority of um, the work that we're up to. And it's quite nice because you can engage with us as well. We have never had a website. Um, we just don't think it's worth the money. We don't have that money either. Um, so we we kind of um, just do everything on social media because it's kind of where everyone looks to nowadays. So that's where they can follow us and find out a little bit more. That's great. That's really useful to know. Well, Katrina, it was brilliant to chat with you today and find out a bit more about the Homeless Period Belfast and everything you've achieved as a campaign. So thank you so much for joining me on the show this week and best of luck for the future as well. Thank you so much for having me. That was the founder of the Homeless Period Belfast, Katrina McDonnell. I'm now joined by Rachel Hassan and Abby Davidson for the Worldwide Women segment of the show where we explore the stories of women from around the world, both past and present. Rachel and Abby, welcome back. Hey. Hi. Now, last time on the show, you told us about the poet Rupi Kaur, but Rachel, who have you and Abby been looking at this week? So today we'll be talking about a woman called Dottie Fraser, who was 
the first woman in the U.S. to become a certified scuba instructor, and she was also the first woman to open her own dive shop. Dottie was born in 1922, and she sadly passed earlier this year. And because of that, um, a lot of her life's work has sort of been circulating again recently. Dottie began teaching freediving in the 1940s, and she became the first woman in the U.S. to do so. And then in 1955, her shop called Penguin became the first female-owned dive shop where she sold some of the first wetsuit patterns for women. She was described as being uh, a world-renowned underwater pioneer, including hard hat, scuba, and freediving. Okay, that's really interesting. And has she been recognised at all for her work more recently? Yeah, so there's a lot of articles recently talking about it. And in terms of her recognition, she was included in the Woman Divers Hall of Fame in 2000. And then in 2019, she was also awarded the Historical Diving Society's Diving Pioneer Award. So there's a lot of info out there about her, but um, her life is detailed in her autobiography, Trailblazer. If anyone finds the rest of this interesting, would like to know more about her. Yeah, definitely. That's great. And can you tell us a bit more about her achievements during her life? So in Dolly's 99 years, which is incredible, by the way, um, she achieved so many remarkable things. In her lifetime, activities like diving and motorcycle riding, which she did a lot of, were frowned upon for women to do. And though they may seem really trivial to us, it's the little things that make the difference in the strive for equality. As the first American female scuba diver instructor and first female dive shop owner, she helped pave the way for other women to feel confident and excited in a male-dominated sphere. Not only are these remarkable achievements in themselves, but the fact that she did this during the 1940s and 50s at a time when women were not exactly expected to be independent and run their own businesses is even more incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And even though she achieved all these things, did she face many struggles as well? Yeah, so she didn't always find things easy. Um, Due to an extreme prejudice against female divers, she almost didn't get her scuba certificate, but um, she was sponsored and supported by those who knew her talents. I think we can all learn something from Dottie. We need to be bold and confident in our passions, and even if all the odds are against us. Yeah, absolutely. She definitely achieved so much in sport at a time in which it was a very male-dominated sphere. And so it's really important, as you were saying there, that she and women like Dolly are getting the recognition they deserve today. So thank you, Rachel and Abby, for sharing Dolly's story with us this week on Worldwide Women. And see you next time. Bye. That was Rachel Hassan and Abby Davidson there with this week's Worldwide Women. Well, that's the end of this week's show. A big thanks again to all of my guests this week, Katrina, Rachel and Abby. And thank you too for listening, in spite of the croaky voice. Uh, We'll be taking a little break from the show now for Easter, but we'll be back very soon with more great guests. So I hope you can join me then. But until next time, I've been your host, Kirsty King, and this has been The Women's Scoop.